I've had the most amazing opportunity to have an interview with the cast and director of Godless, The Eastfield Exorcism. It's a phenomenal psychological horror movie with great performances, a great cast, great script and great direction. So I'm joined by Nick Kazakas, who's the director of Godless, The Eastfield Exorcism. Alongside him, Georgia Ayers, who's playing Laura Lavand, Dan Ewing, who's playing Ron Lavand, and Eliza Matengu as Dr. Walsh. And I hope you enjoyed the interview. All right, I'll um, start off. I'm Nick Kazakis, and I'm the director of the film, Godless Eastfield Exorcism. And uh, to my right panel is Dan. G'day, my name's Dan Ewing, and I play Ron Lavon. Hello, my name is Georgia Ives, and I play Lara. What kind of research did you have to conduct to ensure an accurate portrayal of exorcism in this film? Because we all know that exorcism isn't the main pinpoint of the whole film itself. It's more psychological, it's more spiritual as well. So what kind of research did you conduct? Yeah, um, it sort of went um, into like the early stages of lockdown. So we were kind of locked down for quite a while, more than most uh, of the places in the world. And um, myself and uh, the writer, Alexander Anglis Wilson, um, we really wanted to do a exorcism film. But um, the more we were researching that kind of vibe, the more we started finding a lot of cases of people dying from exorcisms. So we did a lot of legal research. There was a lot of, um, there's a lot of documentation out there case by case that's quite similar to what we've done because we're inspired by true events. And, um, you know, furthermore from that, uh, we did a lot of uh, undercover research where we would attend churches, uh, more of the charismatic, more of the extreme churches to kind of get a feel of what was going on and how they were sort of portraying um, the, their religious faith and their beliefs. And yeah, that was our research. Um, as for the actors, um, I'll let them speak for themselves, but I know Georgia wasn't really kind of keen or didn't really like too much horror. So um, I, I got her to stay away from a lot of exorcism films, so we didn't lean into the uh, the tropes of those. But um, I'll let her speak on her behalf of research. Uh, yeah, I guess Nick definitely uh, still showed me a lot of terrifying exorcism videos, even though they weren't like horror films. Um, and I think I was very much guided by the research that he had already done. Um, and then once we kind of got to filming, it was trying to make it, as natural as possible and not like some of the other exorcism films where it's like very, uh, I don't want to say over the top, but like very intense, like we still wanted to keep it very natural and very real. But in regards to research, yeah, a lot of it was just listening to Nick and like the materials that he had collected. Um, I'm sure, I don't know if Dan's been one, but. Um, I intentionally looked at precisely zero. Um, I didn't want to be influenced by anything. Um, but I did a lot of, I did more so a lot of character research. So what I mean by that is uh, I actually have an, an uncle who's a Catholic priest and I spoke to him about um, do exorcists exist? Because you hear rumours of, you know, there's one place in every diocese over here in, in Australia. Um, and he was quite forth, forthcoming with that information, which is quite interesting to me because I thought he might be a bit, oh, no, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's just the movies or, or what have you. So um, I sort of leaned on him and it's quite, it's, it's, it's a, there's, a, there's a proper training program and everything. So they're ready for these sorts of events that do occur. Um, uh, yeah, and that was, that was sort of my, my mainstay of, uh, that was my main, my main stream of research. But no, I, I didn't sort of go through um, text and I certainly stayed away from other movies. And I think we got someone else in as well. Special guest, Eliza. Yeah, no, sorry. I'm kind of in transit. I'm on holiday, so I'm just a bit, um, yeah, sort of cobbled together. 
It's um, it's actually good timing because uh, we were talking about the research that we uh, put into the film and our characters in particular, uh, Elisa, and um, just wanted to get your feedback because you actually helped shape a lot of this script. You and Dan put in a lot of feedback into this, but um, in particular, you did a lot of research from a psychologist's perspective. Yes, I did. Um, we had an intimacy coordinator who was also um, had psych- psychological training, so I spoke with her a lot because I think before taking on the role... I wanted to make sure that a because it's a female story, it's a domestic violence story. I would argue, um, and so I wanted to make sure that it was um, tackled in the right way. Especially because a lot of the time, um, George's character doesn't really have a voice in it, and so as the other female voice, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing or saying anything that was <laughs> not treating the subject matter sensitively, even though it's you know essentially entertainment. So I spoke a lot with. Um, yeah, with the psychologist, I did my own sort of research into like what the protocols could have been, because I think for me, especially on the first read of the script, I was just kind of blown away at how little my character could actually do. And as the person who I am, I'm like, no, I would do more. I would go in there and I would do all of these things. Um, But actually, once you get into it, you know, it's no matter how well-meaning the individual is, it's actually the systems that are in place kind of tie your hands to be able to actually do do you know the things that I suppose the individual would want to do so I think that's what kind of drew me to it and and once I uncovered that I thought that was kind of an interesting thread that kind of went alongside the religious fundamentalist aspect to it It was actually also you know the police the, the the psychologist all of these sort of systems that are meant to protect vulnerable people actually are set up in a way that by design actually means that some of the most vulnerable people aren't able to be helped. So I think that's kind of what what really sort of uh, got me over the line. Yeah, because I think that exes and films tend to touch on certain elements of like the religious side of things when it comes to personal beliefs. But normally they touch upon broader, you know, religious issues and societal um, uh, issues as well. But did you intend to make any of these social cultural commentary through the entire film and what themes did you explore and why? Yeah, I think it's a good question. We, um, we definitely wanted to bring in a lot of the themes, um, that are present in the film and throughout it. Like, uh, one, one big, um, credit needs to go out to Tim Pocock who plays our exorcist. And, um, his, um, his situation is so unique. So we had already kind of had our casting almost set for that character. And then, um, Dan, thankfully recommended uh tim because they had worked on a previous film together and um there was something in tim's tape that was just so unique and there was just like this duality to his character that we'd never um kind of seen before and it's because he grew up in opus day so he was part of a very very uh full-on organized religion and um he um you know being that he was gay is gay rather within a uh structure that really kind of demonizes that he was hiding who he really was. So we um, we really wanted to play with a character that was really unsure of themselves. And a lot of the church members that we represent in this film kind of have that kind of bleeding through. So that's something that we really wanted to kind of um, uh, push. Did I answer the question or did I just go on a tangent about Tim? <laughs> 
There's that crush again. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, that's perfect because honestly, I think that one of the performances I really enjoyed was from Tim. And normally in exorcism films, you'd feel scared from the demon, but I was more scared of Tim's character more than anything yeah. else because it was just that uncertainty when he was uh, slapping Lara and you didn't know what kind of person he actually was. Was he using the idea of faith and his religion as a gateway to, you know, show off his, um, psych you know, psychotic tendencies because you didn't know if what he was doing, he actually believed in it or not. Yeah. And it, I was going left and right. I didn't know if, if I should actually believe in him that he thought that Lara was going to be resurrected or not, or he was just, you know, fulfilling his psychotic tendencies. Yeah, there's actually a really kind of uh, interesting sort of perspective on that. If you go back to the days of ancient Greece and all of that kind of side of things, a lot of those people back then believed that when they had love, it was the God of love that was speaking to them. So if they fell in love with someone, that was God speaking to them. And a lot of the things that Tim brought to this character was that any thought that he had was God speaking through him. So when he's suddenly panicking for some of the things that he's doing, he's reinforced by his own kind of paranoia to kind of push forward in another direction. So one of the big things is that he does genuinely believe in everything that he's doing. Um, he's brought up in a situation where people are calling him the instrument of God. He is, uh, you know, a connection to God that he can actually speak to him and God speaks through him. So a lot of that we wanted to keep present. And then the charisma is just some way it's, it's the other way of him just being able to win people over. It's just, by seeing such a, and this is again, it's unhealthy how much I compliment him, um, but seeing such a beautiful man, um, you almost kind of gravitate towards, um, you know, looking into his eyes and being like, I, I want to believe you. I want to believe what you're saying. So, um, yeah, he's going to love this podcast. He's going to love this. Uh, he's going to love this uh, interview that we're doing, actually. So this is going to be great. As a production designer, as someone who does costume and makeup, they made him look very suave, made him look very professional, made him look clean. Someone that you would never expect to see that sort of performance from. And I like that juxtaposition as well. So it's quite cool that he brought something which I've never seen in an exorcism film normally you'd have a priest or some conduit of the church you know providing that service but he is totally the opposite of what you normally would expect and yeah. i love that so yeah, yeah he absolutely. was amazing there it was a real it was one of those real magic moments when it's real serendipitous moments because i'd obviously worked with tim before but just knowing him as one of my closest friends and if i lined up this amazing um this amazing sort of uh, character description that Alex, um, our beautiful writer, and, and Nick put together, and married it with Tim's childhood. It was almost the same, and even some of the some of the the photos, the character photos from some stories we we were inspired by. It was almost like the spitting image. So, uh, please beat my beat my language out. But I rang Nick and I said, I've, I know the fucking guy. Like I actually know him. I know, I know this. I know I know him. And he's like, What do you mean? I was like, I I've got not only the actor look and ability wise, but he actually grew up like this. And it was just like you could, and, and, and just by chance, one of the other producers on, on the film actually knew him as well. It's one of those lightning in a bottle, serendipitous, the God, the universe, whatever you want to call it. It was, it was, it was absolutely magic. And he obviously, uh, oh, God, is that you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, um, it was one of those, it was one of those magic moments. This is actually, as much as this is an interview, this is a, um, intervention for Dan who secretly sent the script 
to uh, Tim as well without us knowing. So uh, we've got our <laughs> lawyers contacting you soon about that. But um, it was uh, it was good that he did because like I think you felt Tim out beforehand to be like, hey, this is something that I think you should put on your radar and when they contact you. Um, be ready for it. So it was it was kind of good that he did it. Um, but yeah, like uh, Lauren's going to give you a call, our producer afterwards, and have a chat about that. Okay, I burnt it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because honestly, I did some research, not just about the film, but about all of you lot as well. So forgive me for doing that, but I just had to because I knew Dan and I recognized uh, Dan from somewhere and I couldn't put my finger on it to look through his IMDb. Tinder. Home- <laughs> maybe maybe um home and away is where i remember you from because mm. even though i live in the uk home and away was a big part of my childhood weirdly enough that and neighbors because i grew up watching these soap dramas i was like i recognize this guy but i couldn't put my finger on it and i was like okay <laughs> now i recognize where he's from and it was just like a nice sort of like full circle because i watched watch you as i was growing up which is a bit weird in that sense yeah, honestly, it's one of those. It's one of those shows. Like I, I talk about my time on that. Like I, I, I love that show. I love everything about it. Love the people on it. It's funny that a lot of actors come off that and they kind of, you know, it's they, they, they don't want to talk about it or they don't want to celebrate their time. You know, it's been running for almost forty years for a reason. You know, it's uh, the amount of incredible actors, not not only actors but uh, directors, DOPs, writers that have come off Home and Away or come off Neighbours. Uh, it's an institution. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful for my time on there. Who was your favorite character, mate? Just want to know. You. You were. <laughs> oh, you were just checking. Just, no, it's it's quite, I, I can tell. It's got to be the tell. river boy. I, I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's amazing because obviously watching your acting in that and then watching you um, play the character Ron and, you know, showing his fear and uncertainty throughout the entire movie. But were there also moments of um, where you felt like he had to show empathy and compassion, but also fear at the same time in what he believed in? Because it was almost like there was a sort of like a back and forth battle between between himself, whether mm-hmm. or not what he is doing is right, trying to help his wife, or whether or not he believes that she is truly gone. So how do you navigate a balance between the contrasting emotions to create a multidimensional portrayal of Ron? First of all, I was so grateful to Nick and to our writer, Alex. They were so collaborative with the character and I was involved quite early on. Um, I, I did a movie with a, an ex-professional rugby player who was a devout Christian. And I just found him a, such an interesting interesting character because he's a modern-day gladiator, right? And he's basically almost killing grown men for a, for a living and he's just the, the most lovely guy and uh, but, a, but a man of faith uh, and a beautiful man, a beautiful husband. And I found that, but he's still a man's man. He still would have a beer with his mates and, you know, I didn't swear that much, but he still wouldn't. It's just you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. Um, and I found that extremely interesting and I wanted to, to, to explore that. And what it gave us was this vehicle of, look, I think sometimes uh, the, the old trope is always oh, a Christian and you get, or, or a Catholic, you can get this choir boy image in your head, the parted hair and, it was just so interesting to sort of connect that dot with Ron and, you know, not the cliche Aussie bloke, but, you know, we wanted to sort of connect that. Um, and so by going down that path, it gave us an ability to go sort of in and out of, he's still, he's a, he's a, he's a man's man, he's a diesel mechanic, and he really, really loves his wife, you know, and they're so happy together, but he's also a man of faith. What Did he have his faith right away? Was he born into it? I think what we got to we got to a space where he might have been a bit of a rat bag and he found his faith later on. Um, and I thought I thought that was quite an interesting dynamic to play. Um, but look, I think I think uh, 
the character arc of, of Lara and um, of Daniel and uh, and Dr. Walsh. You know, it's not not that it was uh, linear, but you can kind of see where it's going. So with Ron, we really it was just like he's in, he's out. Um, he's he's a man. He wants to save his wife's life, but is it more important to save her soul? Um, one of the, the 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 really great little bits we got to put in the script was there's a physical altercation because Ron's obviously you know physically a lot bigger than Daniel James King and like his wife's being assaulted, you know, it's being abused, you know, and there's a there's a moment there where I said he's like he's a he's a man's man. He's probably like he's probably done some boxing, playing rugby. Is there a moment where he literally physically intervenes? I'm not saying this big over the top punch on but Nick and Alex really liked the idea and we just had that moment where he kind of grabs Daniel James King picks him up and pins him to a wall but such is his manipulation and his power that we sort of gets back into the process um but I think I thought it was important to put that moment in there because it's you know I'm, I'm sure there's it's, there's people at home going why doesn't he just save his save his wife no it's okay you got to save her soul first so it's it was such a, a privilege to play ron and have a, that collaboration because it was tough you know it, w- it was really tough for me i know what i would have done similar to Eliza. Uh, uh, you know it's 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 it was a really really tough thing to play um but it was so beautifully crafted um by our director and our writers and our producers so it was it was great yeah no it was a, it was actually a great performance because i actually felt like i was in the scene when you and Tim were literally going at each other and he was literally trying to persuade you that this yeah. is the word of God, this needs to be done. And the whole the whole scene was just meticulously created so well. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, no, it's a, it was a phenomenal piece to actually watch. But one thing I did want to know is how did you actually prepare yourself to portray, uh, you know, portray the emotional range and the complexi- uh, complexity of the character, even during the most challenging scenes as well, such as the one with uh, with Tim? Oh, for me, like I just been through. Like I, look, I'm, 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 I'm quite sort of in tune with my emotions as the the older I get. Um, but um, I just been through quite a big loss in my in my life, and I felt like I, because I'm the oldest sibling, uh, my mother had passed away. So I, I felt like I sort of tried to sort of hold it in, hold it in, hold it in, and then just I knew, I knew once we got in that in that shed and we were going through this, you know, how many pages scene, you know, we're in there for a week. I knew that I could that could just be my vehicle and let it out. I'd done that before with films, and I found it extremely cathartic. But I, um, yeah, so that and I just kind of I don't like to decide how I'm going to play a particular line. I kind of let the emotion. I know I know my lines, and I know what I'm where where what the character would how I kind of want it to go. But then I just kind of let it all go. You know, put put all the ideas in the bag, tie the bag up, and then undo the bag. But it's um, it was it was rough. You know, it was you know kind of going through all that that process and the. The, the loss of my mother and then and then like working with such beautiful actors like George and Tim it was uh it wasn't faking it there was no tear blower you know everyone was in the same boat it was very real and very raw um but again a strangely cathartic experience I'm curious yeah. to hear how Georgia answers this because she had an interesting <laughs> preparation up until the point that we were shooting so how did you go about this did you ever come to my house and my you- <laughs> preparation what what's this Nick um I guess even just for the character, right? That's what we're like trying to focus on, how you got into that space and how you kind of let that feed out. I'm learning a lot from our actors here, so this is great. Thanks to yeah, Nick for setting us up. This amazing. is awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think mine's as interesting as Dan. I think I – I mean, I'm, I probably sound a bit crazier. I just – I found it a lot easier just to click in and out, like, between takes. Like, the, all of the shared stuff, obviously, it was, like, heightened emotions and it was very flaming. And then it was kind of like when we called cut on and 
um, lots of tears and crying and screaming. Once we called Kite, it was like a, okay, reset. It was wiping away of the tears. It was Nick coming in to tell me what it was like. I, I think maybe that's, maybe that's why I felt, I felt obviously quite relaxed in the environment despite everything going on, but it's like a, definitely a preparation thing. It's like coming in prepared to change. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it can't, I think it was like a, kind of knowing where, where we're going with the character and where we're going with the scene and then also just trusting Dan and Tim to kind of like guide each other. And yeah, that was really my whole process. It wasn't, I don't know, it's just the sound of fun. But e- even when you were offset, even when you were offset, you knew that like God hated you. So uh, yes. I mean, oh, I gonna, oh, that's yeah. true. Sorry, that's the yeah, 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 that's true. I yeah, was we very had much some uh, interesting stuff happen to Georgia specifically while she was um, offset. Like we we got a great accommodation, and yet everything seemed to be going against her. You can tell her tell them about the snakes from falling from the ceiling. It wasn't a snake; it was a centipede. I had a centipede. I had a centipede fall from the ceiling. You said snake. I heard snake. So I people don't forget. <laughs> no centipede falling from the ceiling, and then. They were, you know, lowering and stuff were great and moving me and they moved me to another place for one night and I woke up in the morning and there was a spider on my chest. Meanwhile, you know, dancing, echidnas walked past his front door. And Wallabies. Like, having a Wallabies, echidnas, yeah. wave to them. Yeah, have a, yeah. Have a he, was, he was like, I don't know what's going on with your accommodation, but I found one a great time. And I was like, it's really good, Dan. That's good. That's great. Um, no, but yeah, so I definitely felt a little bit cursed on the film. And um, I tried to just think that it was all just a coincidence and it was all just fine. But yeah, I think... Uh, a greater force is overlooking me, that's for sure. I would consider that as a good omen when something bad happens on set, especially for horror films. I don't know why, because it means you must be doing something right in order for everything to go wrong. Like We had yeah. we had such weird stuff happen on this. It's like even we had two editors on the film, Ash Lucas and um, Liam Kelly, and they're both amazing. But Liam was doing our dailies, and um, he started editing the first exorcism scene and uh lauren our producer walked in to check up on him and see how he was going and he turned around and he had just blood pouring down his nose and he'd never had a blood nose before so he was just gushing and then as soon as he finished editing it stopped so um it was pretty freaky that was pretty weird uh elisa did you have anything that happened to you i know you were wearing socks and slides one day but i don't know if there was anything that was <laughs> you rock that though hell worthy <laughs> But you could put well, it was memorable, in anything and she looks spectacular. <laughs> I've got photo evidence. Mine wasn't as, um, as as dramatic as everyone else's, but I did, when I logged into my, um, I went into my accommodation and I, I was just going to watch a movie at night and I um, my Netflix was already logged in and it was logged into Jesus, which I thought was a bit um, interesting. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Do you remember, Nick, when we were doing the script, right from the start, the script read-throughs. Do you remember this story, Nick? So I walk out of um, our accommodation. We're in the middle of Melbourne, right, this busy laneway. And obviously, you know, in big cities, sometimes there's people, you know, so, um, uh, you know, like telling the, the word of their particular religion or whatever. And just this random guy, this random guy not saying anything to anyone else. I came, came out of my hotel, turned left, um, took about three or four steps, and a random guy just sort of stops me, puts his arm on my shoulder, and he's like, it's like, oh, do, do you believe in God? And I was like, well, my uncle's a priest. It's like, I don't really think it's a guy in a white cloud, but, you know, I do believe we're all connected by some sort of energy force, depending on what you call it. He goes, I want to give you, a, I want to give you some coins. And these little um, 
silver sort of Christian Christianity coins, right? And I and I just thought, isn't that funny? You know, and I'm about to play a devout Christian, so I kept one next to my bed the whole shoot. That's probably why I didn't have centipedes dropping out of the ceiling. Why didn't you share one with me? I gave it to Nick. He was fine. I gave it to Nick. Yeah, I was totally fine, except for that COVID scare, which is like a whole (laughs) totally different other story, which I can go into later if you want. uh, It's like, I love these old stories when you hear on set that things just go wrong and there's some really weird spiritual stuff happening as well. And it's just, it's kind of like, wow, like, are we actually doing something which is good or we're doing something which is bad and it is quite it is quite profound in that sense as well but the one thing i did want to talk about especially with um especially about the character of dr walsh which is very interesting for me is because we haven't seen the psychiatrist's point of view in many exorcism films so one thing i want to know is how did you approach your understanding of the character professional background and incorporating it into your performance and did you have like any dilemmas in your performance and how did you navigate them i had constant dilemmas as nick would know (laughs) (laughs) it made the film better for it i loved it i I think she thought i was getting off the phone with her and i'm just like again again with this person um but i actually loved every bit of feedback she brought in they were like they're the exact holes that people if we didn't do that research people would poke apart you know on online forums and all that kind of stuff so you're coming in with some good quality but i'll make you feel guilty for it so that way i can use it against you at a later date thank you i appreciate it (laughs) um yeah so i think you you know she, she sort of came from it as like i saw her as the eyes of the audience as well so all of the questions that i was asking i was thinking this is what the audience are going to be like why isn't she you know but why isn't she doing more or why you know why isn't this happening or that happening um and also I think as a psychologist, like my job wasn't to judge either Georgia or Dan's character. And I think I found it quite difficult, especially with Dan's character and some of the, especially the earlier iterations of the script where, you know, he'd be saying things and I'd be like, and so it was a big thing for me to get over myself to go, well, actually a psychologist's job is, is a mirror. So a psychologist's job isn't to have an opinion and a psychologist's job isn't to judge. It doesn't matter who walks in through the door. So I had to sort of work, especially, it was easy to sort of want to help Georgia, (laughs) but to want to work with Dan to help Georgia, which essentially is Dr. Walsh's job, that that was kind of more difficult to get through. And so I think a lot of the talking to the psychologist and just kind of leaving a lot of my own self at the door um, and also working with Nick as well to really understand, you know, what what her function was because she very much was just a a kind of conduit of the story like she didn't sort of have you know too much of her own you know arc going on so it was really just to sort of help facilitate what was happening and to give that eyes of the audience to sort of almost like a little bit of an anchor just to all the all the madness that was going on around to have this sort of one person who's like uh I don't think everything's okay But to, to only be able to do that within the realms of the professional environment of that time, and, and, and that is, you know, with looking at, you know, doing the, you know, even though she gave her her number and even just that, you know, isn't really allowed. And so going to the, you know, going to, to get the mental health check and having to go to the police station and the fact that all of that is too late, like all of that is just, it's all of that red tape and all of that, um, you know, admin that comes along with, you know, that job. And I so I think what was interesting to me is how that, you know, maybe in in other films that all of that would sort of happen a lot more dramatically and maybe she could have broken in at the last minute and saved the day but actually in you know that the, the horror of the film for me was that in real life like that 
it is all paper. It's, it's actually horrifically boring how these things sort of eke out, you know, increment by increment, step by step until the whole thing's kind of too late. No, I felt exactly like I was saying before you even arrived, like I was very shocked at the ending because like, you know, most exorcism films, you normally have a new resolution, which is everyone being happy and the demon gets exercised. But in this sense, I was waiting for the, I was waiting for the punchline for for Georgia to come back to life, and it actually worked. Like, oh my god, like this is a miracle. But no, it's a it's a true found horror that this is based on um, you know real life events that actually happened that people do die from exorcism films, and it's just quite heartbreaking that some people are so far gone spiritually as well that they believe that they can bring back a human mm. after the in after possession and after they pass away, and it's like, wait, is 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 this actually real because yeah. there are moments in watching this film that i felt like i was shocked because once you see tim pulling apart georgia's mouth and he's literally breaks a jaw i was literally screaming i was like screeching in my chair i was like no this can't happen this can't happen and then literally this sound of silence and everyone just comes to the realization like wow he's he actually killed her but he wasn't I don't guess he realized in a sense he he still thought that he was doing God's work. He was still working yeah. through Jesus and he's like, wow, this guy has gone so far that he literally thinks that what he did is not wrong. He was his biggest hype man. Yeah, he was his own biggest hype man. And then, yeah, just getting into that mode, he thought, okay. And, and then there's that line, which is like, um, I, I, I forget the our own film, but it's like, you know, it is done is the line. And it's just like, what's done? What are, you, what are you specifically saying here? So, like, you've got to try and get the note behind the note. But, um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it was it's a very heavy and um, you know, a heavy kind of film to kind of watch. And um, one of the best um reviews that we had got, it's like on Letterbox where someone's like the the team owes me a Xanax. It was it was just so funny to read that kind of stuff because it is that pressure building and where I am now. Um, you mentioned the silence. Um, I'm at noisy post. So, um, this is where like all the sound happened. And, um, it was a big point to kind of focus on the sound design to be very full and all the time, kind of anytime, uh, Lara is being touched, you can feel that, like you really want to kind of hear all the fibers kind of going in every scene. And then suddenly we just cut that out. And then we're left overwhelmed with a scene. It's just like no one knows what to do. And that's what that's that's a testament to Benny and the team at Noisy Post. Yeah, honestly, I think the sound design and the score was phenomenal because watching the film from beginning to end when George is inside uh, outside in the field and she is dancing under the moonlight, a moonlight um fully nude, it was like wait what and then i was like why is she doing this like what's going on then you see dan pick her up and take her inside and then it comes full circle at the end that the person that she's dancing with is with legion himself and it's like yeah. wow she's like she's dancing with evil himself but it definitely obviously there was a lot of conversation around as to the dancing and and um also just how connected she was to it i would say i mean for me the more terrifying thing was dancing with the literal devil um because the special effects makeup was so terrifying and it was just so it was it was genuinely very terrifying um i would say that was probably more scary for me obviously um but i think it was really beautiful because as you said it's like you at the end you kind of understand why she's having these moments um and at the start it may seem like she's a bit unhinged but by the end of it you really you feel for the character and you understand, I guess, her traumas and, and what's led her to that 
point in her life. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I got to th- give a shout out to um, Dimitri Golovko who did the composing for this film. He, um he did a lot of research. All of that is real instruments. He had this like crazy device that was like, it looked like a medieval kind of torture structure that he would use like a violin, uh, you know, whatever that thing. <laughs> so um, the bow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so he'd use a bow. Wow. I, I don't know basic things anymore. Um, he'd use a violin bow and he'd kind of like start rubbing it against these like metal kind of like pins. And it, it was just wild. And like the thing, the, the beauty behind his composition and score was that he created themes. So like when Daniel James King is around, you hear a constant theme that sort of comes up when you hear the congregation, that theme comes back and he manipulates it enough to feel original and different but it's always sort of the undercurrent is always there and lara always had a theme especially when she was going into her uh you know bouts of schizophrenia um she would have this theme creep in and it was just it's really good signposting that he um designed and just i i actually you know, I was quite confident with everything that going forward, but the score was always like a real tricky one. And when he sent me his first pass, I actually felt like a bad director because I had no notes. I was just like, do I have no notes? Cause I don't know anything anymore. Or is it because he just like absolutely smashed it? And I'm like, Hey man, I don't have any notes. And then I provided one note and then I quickly called him after I'm like, Hey, I'm taking that back. I, I, I'm going against my own thing. It's, it's locked. And he's like, great. I'm like a week ahead. <laughs> so it was, it was really good to see him like um, work and just play it back for me. And it just shaped the film. It made what was one film turn into a totally different film. Yeah. No, I agree because the motifs for the school was really important for me, especially in horror movies. And like I said, at the end of the movie where um, Tim breaks George's mouth and the silence falls, but then you hear the undercurrent of the school, it kind of gives you like a lighthearted sort of string and you're like, okay, this is like a really sad, um, sad moment. And then the minute Tim opens his mouth and said, it is done, the cellos and everything just goes higher and it's like as if they just, he's undone the the realism of the scene meaning yeah. he he thought he did something right and we thought as an audience members like wow he's he's killed her but then when he's opened his mouth he's just ruined the entire moment but in a good yeah. way though as his character because he's like he's so deluded in what he did yeah yeah and you actually hear that in the score as well like you said that there's that pitch shift where it just goes and suddenly we're like oh no he's really unhinged (laughs) so then we're like we we really throw uh like highlight that point as much as we can yeah no i i I love the score the score was phenomenal um but one thing i did want to um talk about is the visual effects and intense imagery as well so as georgia is dancing with the the devil himself or the evil himself but how did you balance the use of like special effects to enhance the story while maintaining the sense of realism as well because we know there are a lot of excellent films out there that show people going flying over the room or we see like um you know pans and uh, and you know forks and tables flying everywhere as well but was there any like visual motifs or symbolic elements that you added in to enhance the story while maintaining visual and intense imagery as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was like a lot of gothic imagery that we leaned into and the times that we do that and when it's super stylized in the film is when uh, Lara's in her own world, when she's in that world of schizophrenia and hypermania. Um, We really kind of over-stylize that even to the point where there's a section when she's running in the woods and you see those fiery embers that she's following into the point where she's going to meet the devil 
there's a moment where there's a point of reality. So anything through Lara's perspective, we see fiery embers, but something that's happening in reality outside of her, in particular when uh, Ron is running through the forest, there's no fiery embers. When her dress gets caught on the um, on the tree stump, there's no fiery embers. So we've kind of got like little Easter eggs like that to show that it's not real and it's not in reality. So um, we played around with a lot of that. And then the rest of the film, we, um, you know, whatever is real, we kind of took a docudrama approach to it to make it feel like you're in that um, situation, such as the congregation um, session that um, only Dan out of the three of our beautiful actors here got to experience the wild setting in that church. But we shot that so kind of handheld and loose because we really wanted to feel like we were in there and have that claustrophobia. So um, those are the two things that we really wanted to focus on when we were in a state of, you know, it wasn't right. We really overstylized it. And when we were back in reality, it felt grounded. Yeah, no, I agree. That opening scene was kind of, it was kind of weird because I felt like I was there. The use of handheld just kind of gives you that unsettling sort of atmosphere as well, as uh, everyone is um, is actually preaching about God and Jesus. And you think, wow, this is a bit, a bit too much for me. Like I felt a bit uncomfortable, like how far they were going. And of course, the dance character as well, um, just sitting there, just trying to take everything in and realizing that his wife at home needs this sort of help and he is trying to go to uh, dr walsh and trying to get that um signature off so he can get like a proper exorcism but of course she doesn't and he ends up going off the rails and doing something very unconventional and getting um uh, tim's character involved and it's like this is is this like real life in which a lot of people are desperate to do these things because they don't have no other options it's surprising how well you've actually delved into the reality of the situation not a hollywood approach but more authentic approach as well yeah and that's that's one thing that actually um elisa sort of brought up in the early stages as well and and also reminded us when we did our premiere in the states it was um it's this situation of like he like ron and this like we'll throw to dan for this as well but it's like ron can get uh, like the right answer, but it takes a lot longer and he's seeing his wife suffering and, um, you know, or he could go the fast route and the fa fast route is to like get this spiritual man in who is connected to God that could fix her like that. So that's, um, that's something that we really played with. Is that how you felt it, uh, Dan? Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of imagine it in the sort of backstory stuff I did in my mind. There's that connection with Ron and Barbara. Um, that certain like motherly character. So whatever Ron had been through in his in his, in his past, it if this this particular church and this motherly figure and his relationship with God had worked for him. Um, so he, he truly trusts Barbara. Um, so there, there's yeah. So there's that aspect. But um, but yeah, it obviously didn't work. <laughs> It didn't work out too well for Lara. Oh, my goodness. And also, if I could just add, in terms of um, it's, it's like everybody in is sort of well-intentioned, including Ron, in that he genuinely wants to help Georgia, and it's that idea of people who fall through the cracks. And so when he comes to Dr. Walsh, he's not, yeah, he's not getting... He's not feeling heard or understood. And so then when he goes to Barbara, she's saying, I hear you, I understand you, and I've got this solution that's going to help you. And I think that's how these sorts of groups and how this sort of these things happen is because people, you know, it's like how Donald Trump ends up 
<laughs> in power. It's because there's a large body of people who don't feel heard or understood, and then someone comes in and offers them a, a solution and says, look, I get you, and this is your problem, and this is your solution, and it all becomes very simple and very clear. Um, and, and that's how these things sort of happen, and these congregations sort of exist, and those extremities get sort of pushed and pushed and pushed. Um, is all people like wanting a, a solution to their problems and their pain, and they just want it to go away. And unfortunately, in that vulnerability, they're just able to be taken advantage of. And essentially, Ron is taken advantage of, in a sense, because if he, if he was in a different place with a different group of people, a different solution would have been offered, which wouldn't have ended up in... <laughs> And that was you know, really, so really important a, to me. Sorry, go for it. Sorry, Lisa. I was going to say, so that was like a really important thing when I was working with, like trying to work with Ron as the doctor to sort of try and empathise with his his character and not just be like, this guy's just a... <laughs> is that to try and see it through through his lens, which again, I think is an interesting take from Nick, Nick's perspective in that it's like not having this like cartoon sort of goody and a baddie and an evil and a devil. and a, You know, it's like bringing in all of those human elements and trying to give a humanity to all of the people, no matter how awful the things that they're doing or what's, what's, and that's what kind of makes it again, even more hu- horrific is just the hu- humanity of it. Yeah. I think the, 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 one, the most important thing to me was the relationship with Ron and Lara. You needed, you needed to believe and feel that he truly loves his wife and they are in love and they're just in this, in this horrible situation. Um, I think some of the, I, I love the, I love, uh, where we got to. I, I also love the early drafts, but it was a, there was a little bit more Ron throwing the toys out of the cot when like he met resistance from Lara, um, and a little bit more not yeah. I guess we could say misogynist and but like with that sort of you know using religion sort of it was a bit more I don't know it was a bit more I, I found it hard to connect with connect with him in that way because I, I was like but it's you're making it about you it's got to be about your wife. Um, and then with Elisa's input, I just thought it was amazing. We got to this very gritty, very real piece, and it's not really a horror film. It's 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 a, it's a much it's much more a true crime crime story, much more a drama with supernatural themes. Um, I think that's why we've got such this this incredible response. That's why we're talking to you, Ty. It's like it's 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 just it really does affect people, and I think it's because I, I, in my opinion, it's because of that realism, because of the work, and you really do believe each and every one of these characters. Like I said, watching exorcism films, they all have a very common theme and typical tropes as well. Mm. But the way that Nick directed it and the way he went about it is very unique for a director's point of view. That he wants to create sort of a dilemma between the audience members and what they're watching, whether or not they believe it's real. Because this is more lifelike and more based on reality than what we've seen in previous exorcism films yes it's based on um real life stories of people getting exercised in like um in the uk or in australia in the us but this deep uh, you know delves deep more into the psychological side of things and whether or not people do believe they are possessed or if they do believe that uh, there's a hand of god to actually you know disrupt this entire um exorcism and it just makes me realize that these type of movies are needed and it's just a shame that no one else is not, uh, not even thinking about it. But the fact is, Eula have gone down that route is actually phenomenal. And that's why I actually really enjoyed it. Even the trailer, like I was, I just wanted more. And the fact is, uh, Lauren actually gave me a uh, preview screen and I watched the film twice now. Uh, oh, once. Awesome. Yeah, yeah so I had to watch it twice. The first time I watched it just for like the sake of watching it because I want to know about it. But the second time I, you know, dissected it, learned more about the motifs, the symbolism, the character uh, character arcs, the stuff that you implemented as actors, and it's just a 
a phenomenal thing to be honest that's why i like doing what i do is because i get to talk to people like yourself and just pick your brains and just figure out why do you do what you do it's just amazing yeah i mean look it's it's all thanks to you really that we we're in this situation like uh, we mentioned it before we started the um interview but it was like i saw your trailer reaction and it was just one of the best things that i'd ever seen and then i shared it around to everyone up to and including lauren and i'm like i'm gonna touch base with him so then i like stalked your insta and, and private messaged you. Maybe I shouldn't encourage that for other people down the line who are probably going to do the same. Um, but it was good that you got back to us. And um, no, it's it's really um, it's really humbling to hear that you love loved the film and enjoyed it and understood the perspective that we we're trying to get to because it is a very polarizing sort of film. Like it's not your like the title says exorcism and people think yeah there's going to be like people's heads exploding and all that kind of stuff and it's just like well you know, and someone brought that up to me. They're like, are you worried with the title exorcism? It's like, no, because there's actually an exorcism taking place. We're just doing it from a real perspective, you know, and it's like, this is our story. You know, we're not denouncing anybody else. We're talking about the extremism that we're witnessing that's happening to this day. Like, even though we're set in the nineties, it's, it's actually gaining popularity and there's a lot more people dying and getting brutalized from exorcisms now than there was before so it's like it's pretty full on so like we wanted to kind of highlight that injustice and you know take that take that road but one question i had for georgia though is that being the main person who's getting the demon exercise from her so-called demon but what was your inspiration like did you watch anything beforehand did you take inspiration from any other psychological or um, you know exorcism films and was there a reason why you wanted to add those psychological elements and the emotional elements into your character through the movie um i think it was i mean it was extremely collaborative with nick obviously and i'd already known him from previously working with him not with a feature just music video it's a very different medium um but i think yeah, I don't know. I, th I think a lot of inspiration honestly came from the stuff that Nick had sent me, but also I didn't really, similar to Dan, I didn't really want to watch too much stuff because I feel like then I'd kind of just get confused and it would be this wish-washy um, portrayal that I didn't really want to do. So I kind of really just focused on what Nick wanted, um, how, what the relationships were between Dan's character, Tim's character and all of that, and just really focused on that rather than trying to, I guess, mimic other people's performances in other exorcism films. Um, uh, uh, did you do any method acting? Or was it just like, on the day, we just come in, read a script, and just get it out there? Yeah, I, not, not, I, don't, I don't think I was uh, very method at all. Um, but... <laughs> Well, I hope I not. Maybe, 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 Nick, yeah. maybe Nick could say I was. I don't know. Oh, she's so difficult. Like she wouldn't eat. No, no, it was it was actually really good. I was actually telling her not to eat so we could slim her down for you know, like so that she could look un unhealthily thin because she's very thin. All right, cancelled. 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 Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 over now. Um, no, yeah. but like she, I wanted her to be like really unhealthy. Um, and then you know, obviously makeup exists, so Tanya would actually help her like really kind of bring out the cheekbones and make her look like she hadn't slept for a long time so i was just calling her at three in the morning trying to keep her up <laughs> at night no it was um no i had a really um lovely um cast on this like everyone was just awesome no one went down the method path even to the point where it's like you know i was getting script notes from elisa i was getting um you know like some feedback from uh georgia and tim was helping us guide his personal experiences and then even dan 
who has worked on like a lot of these people have worked on major stuff, but Dan had just come off a really, really massive few productions. And he was even guiding me in between takes or when the camera wasn't on him, like just like basic set etiquette, which is like, you know, I come from music videos and I've done a feature before, but that was really, really independent. Um, and he'd kind of, kind of come up to me and be like, Hey, let's try and like get, get the mood going so that like Georgia can focus and all that kind of stuff. And it was really helpful to have that kind of element of experience. And, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Like everyone just, no one was, you know, no one was method. I didn't have to tiptoe and just kind of be like, Hey, am I speaking to Daniel James King right now? And like, you know, <laughs> are you going to slap me across the face or throw water at me? No, it was, it was awesome. It was so good. That's hard too. With a, with a film of, with this sort of um, subject matter, that sort of thing is really difficult and it's dangerous. It can be very dangerous, you know? So, um, and look, I, I felt Ron was being quite useless towards the end of the film. So I was trying to help Nick out, you know, trying to help, help Georgia. I couldn't help Lara, but I was trying to help Georgia, you know, as much as I could. <laughs> no, it makes it, that makes perfect sense because <laughs> I would have imagined that if you're going to go over like full, the full method acting, I think a lot of bad things would have happened on set, especially with Tim. Um, I think he would have taken it a bit too far. But uh, aside from that, the one thing I did want to ask from like a production uh, standpoint is that were there any innovative or unconventional techniques used in the film production or storytelling? um that any of you like can actually you know touch on i think um some of the few things that we did have aside from getting georgia actually um cursed and having her use that <laughs> you know um we we used a lot of you know like i said the sound design stuff that we kind of played with to enhance a lot more of it but one of the big things for me as a director with the cast is i went to every single one of them and gave them validity for their character i didn't and this is something that elisa brought up earlier um, but it's just like, I didn't go up to Ron and say, Hey, you're like neglectful husband. Yeah. Like, or you're just going to talk over her because this, this, and that, like, I'd go up to him and be like, Hey, she can't get the words out. Try and try and help her try and like get her over the line. You need it. There's a timely method here. And then that reads differently when we're focusing on Lara and I go over to her and say, um, I go over to Georgia and I'm like, he's cutting you off. He's not letting you talk. And so then suddenly there's like natural conflict between those two characters where, um, you know, and then Tim as well. I'm like, Hey man, just look at this person that's in front of you. It's no longer a human. It's three, four different creatures that are inside of her. And he really felt that validity, especially after he throws holy water on her and she's reacting in the way that she is. He's finally seeing a demon come through and he gets that kind of validation that he needs to go. All right, this is no longer bring a knife to this fight i need to bring a shotgun you know and that's um that's exactly what i like you know the directing technique that i brought in for this uh as for our performers that's uh let's just just quickly i gotta say like the as far as conventional we could have done this on a sound stage or a big set but we to actually get taken to a beautiful town called dalesford and um uh, they just looked after us so well to actually be in a small town just for me, like that doesn't always happen on films because they want to, you know, it's it you, you're putting people up in a very sm- in a small town. It doesn't quite always work, or they want to build some sort of version of a small town, you know, that's sort of all fake. To be in in a in a in a, in a beautiful quirky little town like Dallasford, a big g'day to everyone down there. They looked after us really well. Um, that's not all. That's not that's not really unconventional, but it doesn't always happen. And I, for one, love love being down there. It was great. Yeah, but I'd also just sort of add that, um, you know, working on an independent, you know, smaller budget film, and especially with the content 
you know, I had a, I was a bit like, oh, is it, you know, is it going to feel safe? Are people going to feel, you know, because it's, it's, it's quick. Like, I think it was 24 days, you know, 21 days, three days pickups. Like, that's quick. <laughs> um, and so I was a little bit, I was like, oh, we're going to be doing 20-hour days. Everyone's going to be stressed. It's going to be, an app. you know, had all of these sort of preconceptions of that, you know, that layout. But it was um, Nick, I don't think we ever, well, on my days anyway, we were always finished on time. We had a... <laughs> had our breaks and the atmosphere was I was there at the beginning and right at the end and at the end everyone had the same energy at the beginning um there was music playing you know it, it felt like a real team collaborative like everyone's so happy to be there everyone was, was focused on their jobs and it was just an absolute sort of joy to to be a part of so I just want to add that yeah and Lauren Tim and Tony our producers uh they really kind of you know, really focused on making sure that everyone was safe and that we had everything pre-planned so that we weren't going in quite rogue. So that was like one really important thing um, to kind of take into consideration. Also, Carly was a weapon who was our first assistant director who just kept us on time. So we only went over like a couple days by 30 minutes and that was, that's nothing in the scale of film. And um, that was only due to safety. So it's like we wanted to make sure that everyone was safe and we were doing car rigging and, you know, we had like cars skidding and explosions and all that kind of stuff. So it was just like, you know, on, on those days, we the 30 minutes was justified. But everyone was like really cool to hang out with afterwards. Like we had such a family kind of environment. Like as soon as we wrapped, people wouldn't go home, which was great. Like, you know, even Dan would bring beers to set and all that and people would drink afterwards and just kind of kick back. So it's like everyone enjoyed being a part of it. At least that's what, I saw, and that's my own reality. I don't know if that was anyone else's, but um, Georgia, what about you? What did your, how'd you uh, feel about it all? Great. I don't think the energy ever, um, great. No, I think, no, exactly what Elise was saying. It's like, I don't shift it as like, it never, I don't think, I don't think I ever really, I'm sure a lot of stuff happened behind the scenes, but in regards to moods, like everyone was always keen for the next day. It's like, even if it was a long day, I think because, as you said, Carl, you just ran such a tight ship that we kind of knew that we would hit everything that we needed to hit. And if we didn't get it, then we'd get it somewhere else, we'd pick it up some other time. But it never felt stretched. And as a, like, acting in it, I never felt like I was rushed. And especially with an exorcism film, the last thing you'd want to feel is, like, acting perspectives that not, to not feel rushed. And yet, I'm sure it could have been chaos. Okay, can you just hurry up? Can you just get those tears going right now? Um so that was nice from that. No, but honestly, thank you all so much for that. It's actually a really nice way to even delve into the idea of filmmaking. Even though I work in the film industry, it's just nice to speak to people who do the things that I always wanted to do as well. No, thank you so much for having us. Like I said, it's so amazing to see you do your thing. And I'm like, I, I just joined TikTok just so that I could watch your reacts. Um, and, I appreciate uh, that. And, and that's, that's not even a lie. Like I literally have like 12 people following me and I'm following two people and you're one of them and my dog is the other one. So it's like, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really awesome to see you do what you're doing. It makes the film industry fun. It makes film making fun. And I'm glad that, you know, the plus side and the bonuses that you like the film and that you had the time to um talk to us it's it's just really cool no i appreciate it thank you so much for all of that thank you so much for watching i hope you enjoyed the video i hope you enjoyed the interview and if you like what you see here please subscribe share comment and follow me on tiktok instagram and youtube and hopefully i get to see you in my next video Bye.